0: The Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the 10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Steven Halastik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Steven Halastic, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. For those of you who don't know about Financing Solutions, we are a leading provider of easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses. And I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you are interested in learning more about a business line of credit, or if you want to get a free quote to see how much you approve for, Please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's fs as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Owen Anoa. And I know he's going to help me fix that in a second. (laughs) So, friend, his company is from Sweet Process. So, uh, Owen, please correct me on that last name. Yeah,
1: Owen Magab Enao. Yes.
0: Okay, so it's E-N-A-O-H-W-O.
1: Yes. What nationality is that last name? I am Nigerian. Cool. Uh, Yes, came here uh, to the U.S. for college, met my lovely wife and stayed after the fact, so. Great, it's great. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sorry I butchered it. I'm I'm not bad with names, but that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured
1: if you butchered it, I was going to correct it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay.
0: Uh, my name's last not easy either. I think it's easy, but most most people don't. But so let, let's let's jump right to today's topic. Um, the keys to effectively building business processes, and uh, you know, uh, you know. And I think this is a great topic. It's the reason why I wanted you to come on this podcast is because I do know, like you know, the mission of this podcast is to help people get over ten million, and you just, you know, it's not going to get there if you don't um, build business processes. Cool. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in it. Not only am I a believer, I've done it years and years and years. It, everybody that I've seen built, you know, very solid companies that have grown. Um, It's a big part of building a company. Uh, You got to be able to have business processes in place. And there's a, there's, I'll tell you the reason why, um, other than the most obvious. As you're building your company, uh, you are really looking for an extension of yourself with the people that work for you. And, and the way that I think of business processes is, I use the word best practices because everybody hates the word processes. Oh, yeah. And so I use the word best practices. And these are the things that not only do I think are the best practices, there might even be this might be the way that I would do it if I was that person. You know, if this is the way I want you to do it. And if I was doing everything in the company all the time, this is the way I would do it. So, uh, you know, it's really a critical part of it. And it's also, let me be clear, it's not about building processes and then you just you know you you put it in writing and that's it you have to make sure people are following it you have to review it you have to measure it so you know how did you owen kind of get involved in you know this whole area of business processes which let's let's be clear um let's talk first about your bio and you know what how you know what you own sweet process what does Sweet Process do? How did you get there? What is it, you know, what, what was the inspiration behind it?
1: Okay, and so uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And so Sweet Process came about because uh, I used to have a uh, a company that was providing uh, back office staff, like virtual assistants. So based, on, I had a team in the Philippines and, uh, you know, providing staff here. Um, so Sweet Process started in fourth quarter of 2013, and before that, I was doing what I mentioned, and so I went on a podcast to teach uh, how entrepreneurs could uh, document procedures and you know uh, and scale their operations, just like you know kind of what I'm going to do here today. And my co-founder listened to the interview. My co-founder's name is uh, Jervis, is a programmer and also the CTO of the company, so the CTO and co-founder of Sweet Process. He reached out to me was like, "Dude, I liked what you were teaching in the um, podcast." And I had this idea of you know I want to build a software similar to what we're talking about, and uh, you know I, I was like, dude, instead of you know me giving advice on how to do this, why don't we just go ahead and build Sweet Process? But I'll give you a backstory as to you know why even I agreed to that in the first place. So uh, you know when I started the agency where I was providing staff, this was at the time where this you know these books like The Four Hour week or The World Is Flat were popular, right? And so people now realize that. Uh, not only the big companies could actually take advantage of hiring people abroad, right? Because, you know, they now realize that they too the small business owners could do this because before then they were thinking it's usually like the big telecom companies or the big banks will go to this, you know, like Philippines and you know all these other countries and hire like hundreds of people to help do back office support and stuff like that. So that was the norm of how they were thinking, but these books opened their mind to that they could do it as well. But the problem that was, you know, when they would come to someone like myself, they all had this preconceived notion that uh, when they hired a person, magically, this person who they hiring from a different time zone and different uh, culture, and most likely English is probably not even their first language, whatever, that they would just come in and start doing their work magically, right? And everything would just go smoothly. So I, there was some kind of onboarding I had to do. And that onboarding was kind of educating them that, hey, in order for my team to do the work the way you would do it, there has to be this uh, you know downloading of the information so that we can you know, take that information from you, you know, go ahead and create procedures and processes for how that work is done. And we would do it back in the day with uh Skype, because there wasn't all these fancy tools like Zencaster and Slack and all that other stuff that you can do meetings online or Zoom. So we would use Skype and then we would have a, a recorded session where they would look through their specific tasks they want to hand over to my team, go go over how they would do the work, and then um, we would record the uh session, and then someone on my team would take a you know that session, turn it into a um, standard operating procedure. But yeah, was the issue? The issue was that the tools that we would use were either you know uh, enterprise level tools and not easy to use for even the team or the potential customer because they're built for more like the enterprise company or like the you know, process uh, uh, consultant type of person, right? So they were very technical tools for from the standpoint of documenting these procedures and processes. So I was like, man, I can't use this stuff. And then on the other hand was a bunch of tools that were just document publishing tools, but they were not necessarily built for this very problem of, you know, how do you document and and and, and ongoing, uh improve it, its business processes, right? So that we were just hacking together a bunch of tools. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, I will build this tool or find a solution eventually. Right. And then when fast forward when I went on this podcast and my uh Co founder reached out to me, and after we had a conversation, I was like, This is exactly what I need to do. Let's go ahead and uh, uh, build this software together. And so, moving forward, we have right now over 2,000 or more uh, um, companies using our software. The companies typically range uh, from 20 employees all the way to maybe even 100 uh, employees, even more. We have some employees that have some, some customers that have way more employees than that. We have banks using the software, churches using the software with their volunteers government agencies using the software, it runs the gamut because at the end of the day, you know, lawyers, even doctors, at the end of the day, you cannot scale a company that you are relying on people to do the work for you without having that single source of truth where they can go and find instruction on how to do their work. Right now, if you're depending on automation where everything is done by a computer, that's a different thing. But for the reality of most of the listeners, a lot of the work that they do is recurring and a lot of the work needs to be done by employees. Now, this is where this kind of tool Is needed. Yeah. So. When
0: I looked at your website. um, I thought. Okay. Why doesn't somebody just. Put it on. In a word document. A flow chart. Of a process. Put it on a Google drive. And that's your process. So. What does your software do that's better than that?
1: Okay. So first of all, those tools were not built for that very purpose. As a matter of fact, even if you try to use the Word document, first of all, now you have this whole thing of how do you collaborate together, get that information in there? How do you have that constant uh, uh, improvement of the document and have a workflow around the actual improvement of the document? Now you're talking about the even flowchart. You might have to use a different tool to even create that flow chart, to even have it there, to have a visual of how that uh, procedure you've just documented. And then not only that, even more importantly, a lot of the innovation that comes or improvement that comes or insights for these documents come when you are actually uh, working on the task, right? So if you're not using a software like Sweeperset, for instance, you're not relying on this employee on the ground to you know, bring that feedback back to you and say, hey, go to some other, you know, this is your Word document or your piece of paper that you're documenting, something to put that information. Whereas if they were working with a tool like Process, right there while they're doing the work, they will be able to pass that feedback because all tasks are based on the underlying procedure they've documented, so employees can never say, I don't know how to do the work because you couldn't assign a task without having a documentation of how that task is done. So when they're doing the work, they can pass that feedback in real time, to the manager who created that, that, that document. And then he can see, oh, yes, I this makes sense. We didn't account for this very step. Go ahead and update the underlying document. And in real time, that task with the instructions is updated and the employee can go ahead and do the work. So there's a lot more to this than just all of that. So uh, yeah, that's why you, know, you need a software that was uh, built for this. So after it's what is
0: the other value of, you know, if of it sh- having a nice update of it, having a nice flow chart, are the other values that the software that you have, you know, cause it's not just about your software and I'm not trying to sell your software. Of course. Uh, I, 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 um, I'm trying to understand if there's other parts that your software brings to the table that a simple word document and a Google drive doesn't also value, uh, like you, you, add, you add, added one, but
1: is there, are there, you know, are there other things that you do? Well, so here's the thing is that uh, before we even build the software, we made sure that we spent some time having conversations with potential customers. Because one thing I didn't want to the situation was this, to build a software that was feature bloated and had the same issues like the ones that we're using that I even ended up having to use other things, you know, had to get a bunch of different things. So we wanted to understand what is the root issues people are having when it comes to working together to document how they do their work. And then we were able to crystallize all that information based on the interviews. We did over like 30 or so interviews, but the root issue that a lot of them were always having was, the fact that, yes, of all, we, we know this is something that is, first of all, is, is important to do, but it's not the most interesting or most sexy thing in a business. So it always gets procrastinated. But when we're in deep and deep into that, but why was it getting procrastinated and not getting done? It was because it was hard to do. Or, you know, the whole idea of trying to do, to, to create documents, right? And, and this kind of things, it, it, was, it was seemed like it was a hard thing to do. And then not only that, the tools to do it didn't make it easy. So for us, we made sure that the software had to be simple to use for all players, the owner of the company, the managers, as well as the people on the ground who are actually doing work. So we focused primarily on the simplicity and ease of use. Not only that, we also priced based on that, too. I'll explain the reason why. So with the competitors, they will charge you per user, right? So that if you know if you have 100 users and you put 100 users into their software, Regardless if this month only 20 people actually use it, you would pay for all 100. But the way we price, we say you're only going to pay for the users who are actively using the software. So our software looks to see in, in, in a given month, if someone uses the software for more than four, t- four different times, like four different literal days in a month, then we consider that person to be active. So what now happens, is that's an example, you added 100 employees in the software, but this month only 20 people actually use the software because we determined that they were active. Then we charge them you for that very price. But what does that bring back to us from this standpoint of trying to keep the software simple? If the software, software is not simple and intuitive and easy to use, people will not use it. No matter what the owner of the company tries to do, brings in a new software and say everybody has to do, you know, use the software. If it is like, you know, calculus trying to figure out how to use the software, nobody would use it. And so we tie our pricing to our objective of making sure things are simple.
0: So do you, uh, is there a checklist associated with a process where uh, somebody like somebody has to follow a process and then they they check off when they followed each one? Do they have that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so in our doc in our app, you can document three types of document where we make a distinction. The first is a procedure where it's like what you're talking about. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. And each step you can have the title of the step and also screenshots video, however, as much information as you want to put into each step so that, you know, you're passing over the information correctly to the person. So that's the first document, procedures, right? The next document is what we call a process. You see, there's sometimes where there's certain tasks you are working on And a single checklist, a single procedure is not going to be sufficient to to, to explain how the work is done. So in this case, you would have to break down this single large task into a a bunch of different parts. And each part is represented by its own individual procedure, right? And all of them are all contained in what we call a process, right? So while procedures contain steps, processes contains procedures. An example of that would be like in a large company where they're trying to onboard a new staff. So they would have what will be a recruitment process. The first procedure in the process will be all the steps the hiring manager has to take to get the managers, to uh, the HR to approve the position, right? The next procedure in the process could be all the steps it takes to place the ads on all the job boards the company has approved right? The next procedure could be all the steps it takes to actually interview people all the way down to eventually, you know, the the onboarding and training of that person. You see, it's a single task of trying to hire somebody, but it was so complex that, you know, you had to break it down to a bunch of different parts and each part was used by a procedure to document. And the final document you, you, can, you can put in three process, what we call policies. Like unlike procedures and process where they are like step-by-step step. policies are not necessarily step-by-step step. it's just some free-form information that or guideline you want to pass to people and i use an analogy to to describe that so if i was driving from germantown maryland where i am and i'm going to dc and i was using a gps telling me turn left on this street go this many miles on that street that will be likened to a procedure but while i'm driving on that road i see a sign that says 30 miles per hour that sign doesn't tell me how to step by step drive my car 30 miles per hour. It just tells me while I'm on this very road, the guideline is I need to be 30 miles per hour. So, policies could be like your vacation policy, your work from home policy, social media policies. And these are like just free form information you want to pass on to your employees. And they can stand out there on their own, or they could be related to procedures or processes you've already documented hmm. as well. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, when through the work that you've
0: done um, and with all the clients you've had, have you noticed um certain industries that lend itself really, really well to have uh, wanting
1: to use your software? That's a good question, and the reality is that when I started, I thought initially it would be primarily for you know those people who are, we are working f- with who wanted to like outsource work uh abroad right and then we realized that as we started, that's even ended up being the 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 least amount of customers that we even have in terms of the industry the reality now is that it runs the gamut from different industries literally like i said we have government agencies basically you know state government agencies using the software we have banks using it we have you know uh uh churches using it right just to make sure can you hear me i'm just making sure can you hear me yep keep keep okay. going yeah okay. sorry so you you have churches different industries using it but what it comes down to is we've realized that when a company has that twenty or more employees, the need to make sure from an operational standpoint all the instruction on how work is done, it becomes heavier and it's more critical when the more employees they have. Because think of it this way: you have employees uh, working and they don't have that instructions on how to do their work. Now you're just paying people to you know to to, to basically not do their work. But if you you know the more employees you have, that need becomes. Uh, um, Evidence. So we find that it's, you know, uh, the smaller companies usually, where it's, let's say, the less than 10 employees, a lot of times uh, the owner of the company is, you know, carrying all this information in his head. And for to a large extent, they, they feel that they're okay just doing this on their own without, you know, needing this document. So what we find in terms of the type of people we see, when you have more than, uh, let's say, 20 to about 40 employees, we typically see is like the chief operating officer, regardless of the industry that is reaching out to us because the the owner of the company has actually hired somebody as a chief operating officer to, this is their job, figure this, the company out from a system standpoint, they're reaching out to us. Now, when we talk about a hundred employees and more, typically is the operations manager, somebody that is below the the COO, the chief operating officer. So like, or a head of a, of a department, like a manager of a department who's reaching out to us, but then usually less than that 20 employees is usually the owner of the company right? That is reaching out to us trying to use our software. I, I hope this clarifies that question. It does. You. you
0: know, I, I was, what I was doing too, as you are talking, kind of updating the title of the, um, today's podcast to business processes, policies, and procedures. Um, okay. so, you know, I kind of get it now a little bit more about what, you know, how you could use the software. And, um, I definitely could have used it with one of my companies. Um, it was pretty, you know, when I went from, um, my second company to my third company. And that third company um, became really, can you hear me still? I can hear you. I Can you you hear me? Yes, I can. I'm sorry. We just says there's a connection error, but there's not. So we, when I went from my third company, which I got to 7 million to my, my, so my second company to 7 million to my third company, which was on a run rate of 11 million. um, I, it it's when I grew up as an entrepreneur, like, you know, it really takes you 10 years, right? So between my second, and my third company, I guess I was in my 10 year mark. And, and that's when you really learn, you know, really after 10 years of doing it, you really learn how to be a business owner. I think if you're doing it right. And, um, so when I started that third company, um, I really, um, became much more formalized in all parts of business pro uh my hiring became more formalized my what i mean formalized is like we uh, we or i really dove into best practices and really followed those best practices you know and so when when i had a staff of uh of uh, uh, about 28 people you know we even before then we were documenting um how people were doing their jobs, because that way, if someone left um and I call it best practices if somebody left or someone was fired, then I could have somebody easily come back in and start to start a job cool. and not have to figure everything out um plus it helped us with measurements and those type of things so um it was you know it was a I would have loved this software. I think I definitely would have used it. But then, you know, to also talking about policies, like you say, when you have 28 employees, you know, I actually had 110, but and eventually had 110. But um, at that point, you know, you're right. I think I actually started doing policies and procedures like at employee number three. Wow. But um, it's <laughs> yeah. only because I knew how important it was at that point. Um, so I, you know, what I'm trying to tell my listeners is that you might as well start this, uh, well, anyway, let me go back to what I was thinking. And that was, uh, what I did was whenever, um, I did start hiring more and more people, I went back to them and I said, I want you to write down everything you do. Right. And, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, posting a job to, you know, at the time monster, Right. I I want you to document every how you do it and and then w- let's review it. Okay? And then that I what I did was one, I made sure that um it was the best way to do it. And number two is we had it documented so that if somebody else came on pl- into the job, that they knew how to do it. And number three, um if something got broken, in other words, if something didn't go the way we Thought it was going to go, I would say, okay, let's review the process. Let's come back to the process. Let's see, did we skip a step? Did we did we not discuss a step? Is there a better way to do something? And it became such a big part of vernacular of our company that you know we became very positive. Now, and what I found was all I know. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, the ones that really grew successfully are the ones that are really anal about processes and procedures you know listen unless you have this incredible product that nobody has or an incredible service that nobody has which let me tell you is never out there yeah you have to be better at execution than everybody else and i find that you know, documenting process procedures and going over it and not letting it sit and having measurements in place is the key to great execution. So do do you find the same thing, Owen?
1: Yeah, I find the same thing as as that. And one of the things the listeners listen all the way to this point, they're probably wanting how to do it, right? So I don't want it to be like, I'm just talking about sweet process. I want a situation where I'm giving them a framework, regardless of whether they use sweet process or not, how to actually do it, you know, and work with their team to do this. So if you don't mind, I don't mind sharing the the framework. Yeah. So- you've already bought into the idea that you need to document procedures because it might be that, you know, it increases the valuation of your company, it allows you to go on vacation or whatever because now people can do work for you. Whatever reason is causing you to, to come to want to do this, first of all, I want you to take an analysis of all the work that you are doing on a recurring basis. Note the keyword I'm saying, recurring basis, because if it's a one-time task that you do it and you don't do it again, then there's really no need to document a procedure for this, because procedures, we are looking for only those recurring tasks, right? And so now you've kept a log of all the tasks you're doing, and even maybe your employees, whatever. Now the next thing is to say, okay, of all those tasks that we're doing on a recurring basis, which ones are the required ones that we that we can't do without? Because I want you to eliminate, first of all, the things you don't need to do. Because especially when you have these companies that have been in existence for a while, there's this whole thing of tribal knowledge and people just do things because this is how we've always done it. I don't want you to take that tribal knowledge and then start documenting everything. I want you to eliminate, when you're doing this project to, eliminate, to, to document stuff, eliminate what is not required anymore, even though it's recurring. So now we're just done with the, the required tasks that is happening on a recurring basis. Now, let's break that task down into two. The first ones will be those tasks that are, you know, those, you know, sexy, exciting tasks about uh, marketing and sales that, you know, most entrepreneurs like to talk about because that's, you know, what people like to, how much revenue they're bringing or how they're getting customers and all that. Let's put those tasks to the side. That's the first category. And the other task category is the tasks that are the production types of tasks what actually delivers the value to your customer or whatever product your customer. That's the reason why I don't want you to start with the marketing and sales one, you know, to document those. Because obviously if you start documenting those ones, then the next thing is, okay, I have the documents all in place for how I do my sales and marketing. Let's go and bring in uh, more employees to do, take over this task because the instructions on how to do is right there then obviously that means more customers coming in. But then that would mean more customers that are going to be facing the fact that there's a lot of bottlenecks on the production side and a lot of headaches. So you're going to bring more people to get get pissed at the fact that you have a lot of production headaches. So I say start with the production side of things first. Now, how do you identify which task on the production side of things to document? A lot of times it's obvious. It's usually the one where every time a task is about to happen in that very production side of things, It's the most annoying task. It's the one where everybody's asking the same question over and over again. It's the one where you feel like, oh man, if I'm not here, we cannot get this done. So whatever, you know, reason you used to identify as the bottleneck on the production side, take that task. And let's start with that first, because the reason why is if you start with that task and you document it and follow the the, the framework I'm sharing with you, you can then be able to free up time to look at the next biggest bottleneck on the production side of things. So we've identified a task you're going to ask, okay, how do you get started? I would say it's at the time you're actually trying to do the work the next time, right? Take a, you know, it could be anything, you just reprocess or any documentation tool you're, you're looking at. You, you At the time you're working on the task, the first thing you do is write the title of the procedure. And the title needs to be something that anybody as an employee sees the task in your company, they know exactly what they can accomplish when they're done with it. So how to do whatever it is, right? And then as you're doing the task, what you need to do is just write down the title of each step. You don't need to worry about the details just yet. As a matter of fact, when you're done, let's say you're working on a 10-step task for this very task, what you will have is just a procedure that just has the title of the procedure and the title of the 10 steps. I call this a fancy word, minimum viable procedure. It's just a fancy way of saying an outline of a procedure. How do you then take that outline and go to the next stage where we have more details filled in. So let me let me step back a little bit. When you're doing this project, you need to, you know, install in the minds of all your employees that this is going to be a continuous improvement thing, where we're starting from version zero, and for everything we document, we are all agreeing that, you know, it's not going to be perfect from day one, but we're agreeing that we're all we're all going to work together to improve as we go. So it goes from one version to the other. So back to we've documented that minimum viable procedure of, you know, procedure and the ten steps what do you do next to get details filled in, you, you basically hand handle that procedure to any manager or any employee on the ground who has done the task before and say, hey, the next time you're working on the task, your role is to make sure that you go in there and just fill in some details. It could be some, you know, screenshots, it can be some text. It can be just whatever, just something simple. It doesn't have to be an encyclopedia. Just simple information in each step. Just put something in there. And then once they do that, your role is to now make sure that you go over that document that they've added information into and make sure that it actually has uh, you know, what you're looking for, like, like an advancement to, to the previous version. And then you obviously approve it. And so every time they are working on the task, their job is just to look through the document and figure out holes in the document where they can improve. Now you use that same system, identify the next document. Uh, to, to 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 document on the production side, you keep doing that. Follow that same dance and go from you know the outline and fleshing it, and eventually you get to a point where you start having time to start working on those uh, you know sales and marketing, those fancy you know tasks that we all like to talk about as entrepreneurs, right? And then you know that when you start documenting those things on the sales and marketing side, and you have documents in place for those. You can even then start bringing in employees who can follow your instructions, knowing that when that is happening, on the production side of things, you've handled the bulk of the documentation. You know that your employees can you know, get things done and there won't be any bottleneck on that side. Now, how do you make sure that the culture of documenting is is something that your employees are willing to do? Well, I'll say, first of all, you can incentivize it. Your employees, are you're paying them to do work. Now you're telling them to help you document how you do work. So obviously there might be some little hesitation, like I don't have enough time to, to do the work. Now you're asking me to document. Why don't you pay them to document the work? So it's it's extra time they have to do that, right? So pay them to do it. And why is that beneficial to you? It's beneficial to you because you are basically building up the systems in place. So there's no, I mean, paying them to do it is totally fine. So that's one thing. Another thing is that you can also encourage that culture in in, in their minds in, in the sense that Anytime an employee comes to you and say, hey, how do I do this? Or comes to your manager and say, how do I do this? You ask them a simple question. Have you checked sweet process? For instance, if you're using sweet process. So what that does subconsciously or even consciously in their mind is that every time I have a question about some task that we're working on, I go meet my boss. He says, have I checked sweet process? Then you they know that I don't go to my manager or my boss. Yeah, on- I mean, I agree with that too. Become It needs to
0: become part of your vernacular that when you talk to people. And then the other thing I would say too is don't just say... I find that I'd say is let's let's look at the process together. Let's look at what we have there. And I so I would be involved. So it became instead of if it was, well, have you looked at the process? Well, instead of it, instead <laughs> it was, hey, let's look at the process together. Let's see, you know, what we were supposed to be doing and where it broke down and let's let's look at it. Maybe it needs to be updated and let's see.
1: Yeah, and, and that's totally fine. But my, my point I'm trying to uh, point across to the to the listener is that you need to make sure that they don't come to you asking you questions. They need to understand that they have to go to wherever place yes. you're using to go there first and then search. And now that becomes a, a habit that over time they've built that we don't go to meet the manager or the boss unless we check the you know sweet process, or whatever. And eventually they start doing that. Then another thing that also arises from that is when they go check the, the, the software and they don't see, maybe they enter a keyword for whatever they think they're looking for, they don't see it. Now that becomes an opportunity to go and meet the, the, the manager and say, hey, uh, you know we usually will check the sweet process or whatever. and But in this case, for this very task that we're about to work on, nothing has been documented. What that now brings is an opportunity for the manager to now create that document for something that doesn't already exist Right, there's no procedural process for that very task, but it's a required task because the employees need it. So now, not only are we going from that continuous improvement of the documents, but now we're also creating new documents because the need has arise. One more thing that also helps to imbibe this in the, in the in the culture for the employees is that as they keep you know working on these documents, they will see. Inside of the documents, like for instance, in three you will see that okay, this very document was it was improved by this employee. It was uh suggestions were made by these employees. Over time, you as an employee who's using the same software, you're seeing your colleagues making suggestions, making improvements to the document, and the, the the suggestions they made are tagged to them. You want to also be part of that too, right? Because you want your name on there too, as someone who's making changes to how we work and improvement. So they then, they didn't start making changes and Suggestions as well, and now over time, everybody is doing this, right, so I wanted to share how to kind of yeah you
0: know, you I, I just want to add too, we we have to wrap this up, but there you know I think there's two things that i i want to uh emphasize in the the importance of building process procedures and policies, and that is number one is um it, we we we've talked about why it helps you grow and execute better that's obvious okay. The second one, the second reason is that when you go to sell your company, they're going to want to see this. Yep. All right. They don't want to buy you, they, the, the owner. They want to buy the company. And yes. so if you come in there and, you, and they say, oh, uh, well, how do you do this? And you say, well, we're on sweet process. We do this, 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 and this. They're going to be impressed. They're going to be super impressed. Um, the third reason, of course, is what you also said too, which kind of goes back to the first thing I said. And that is, I I, I would tell you is like, I would, when I went on vacation, right? Um, and I would, a lot of times I went away, I, I belong to a forum group of nine other business owners or eight other business owners. We've been friends for 25 years. We talk about business all the time, but we would go away for a couple of days. And I have the guys in the group are sitting there checking in with their offices constantly and I'm not doing it. I'm not checking in. Right. And, um, you know, I, I would go away on two weeks vacation. If they, they, one, they would be like, how come you're not checking in with the office? <laughs> and I'd be like, because they know what they're doing. And if they didn't know what I was doing, I would feel like when I left, like I did a bad job. Yeah. Okay. Number two is, um, when, when I, when I would go away for like two weeks Um, the company actually, well, this is not a great sign of me would (laughs) often do better when I wasn't there, you know? And so that was a sign to me that, to me, that was about pride, the pride that I built a great company. Most people think that they, that they need to be there and that they need to build the company's about them. I, to me, it was about me building an incredibly efficient, effective company that wasn't about me, because I yep. just want i at the end of the day, I just want to win. I don't want it to be this Steve Halasnik show company, okay? I want to win if I'm playing basketball, I don't care if I'm going to give the ball to Owen and he's the best shooter in the team, and he gets all the notoriety and he gets all the cheerleaders and he gets everything. I want to be on that 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 trophy um platform, right. And, and and if you don't have that attitude, that's the attitude you need to have. I, I would say this over and over again, that as an entrepreneur, you need to change. You need to be different. You need to not always be the same person that you were. You need to keep growing and learning and improving. And part of that is a lot about, about what we talked about today. So, I mean, other than that... Um, you know, I, that's kind of the end of the podcast. I'd like to thank Owen from Sweet Process for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. And also, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And please also give us a review um, if you you know like our podcast. Um, and if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or vi- visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's going kind to of FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Owen, um, uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, and I think you also have a special offer for our listeners too, how, how would they go about doing that?
1: Okay. So, by default, uh, if someone tries to sign up for a trial of sweep process, which all you need is just your name, email, and no credit card whatsoever, right? Just uh, name, email, and your password to sign up, well, you get a 14 day Trial by default. But just because you've listened to this interview with myself and Steven all the way to this point, I want to extend that trial so you have a 28 day trial. And to get that, you go to sweetprocess.com forward slash EMBA. So that's sweet like candy, process like process.com forward slash EMBA, and you'll be able to get access to the 28-day free trial of the software. If you want to connect with me, you know you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very open to connection requests as well. Sounds great. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Stephen, for having me.
0: So I mean, I already wrapped it up. I went on my soap, uh, uh, whatever. I, w- I went on my uh, my tangent about uh, saying why processes are so important. So I'm not going to give you a summary. I just think that you know, I think it's a good idea to look at sweet process. I know. um, I I think that if I was running a much bigger company, exactly exactly where I would be right now. All right, everybody have a great day. Remember, you can't be a good entrepreneur if you're not learning and also if you're not taking good care of yourself.